welcome to Read This Fucking Book, episode 14, Thief With No Shadow. I'm Elena. I'm Rachel. And we are here tonight to talk about Thief With No Shadow by Emily G. This book was Emily's debut novel. It was originally published in 2007, and it got nominated for two Rita Awards in 2008, um, the Best First Book and Best Novel with Strong Romantic Elements. If you're not familiar with the Ritas or R-I-T-A's, that's pretty much the Hugos of the romance genre world. The book was also a finalist in the Sir Julius Vogel Awards, and that is the New Zealand equivalent of the Hugos. Um, so, Rachel, what the heck is this book about? Okay. Uh, Thief With No Shadow is about, uh, it's a love story, obviously, but it is centered on the remains of a family called the Salviers. Uh, am I saying that right? Salviers, or is it there? Ver, um, Veer. I, I, I think I say, I think I say Veer. Okay, great. So the Salviers, and they are a once very wealthy and proud family in this in this land, and they've had a curse put on them. And so now there's only two of them left, a brother and a sister, who are in I, I guess like their their early and kind of late twenties respectively, and she, they have their one kind of needed item stolen by what is called a wraith which is a person that can become invisible and you come into the story in the middle of the chase where they're trying to recover it but the main character is trying to recover it bastion and you find out that the wraith that stole it is this is this woman and she stole it because she's trying to save her brother and they become entangled while trying to help each other because they they basically both need this magical item for different reasons and of course everyone falls in love and it's in a fantasy setting so the things that make them want to steal or have these necklaces are these kind of crazy monsters and that's kind of the elevator pitch <laughs> yeah I, I think that uh that covers it pretty well yeah um so my uh my first burning question uh before we start getting into the nitty gritty is simply did you like it you can say yes or no and then tell me why or why not later but i want to know up front uh, no <laughs> uh i real there's lots about it that i like and there's lots about it that i don't like so i have i'm having a hard time um because there okay. are certain there are certainly things that i really liked but there's stuff i didn't Okay, well, we'll dissect it, and then I'll ask you again at the end, and uh, we'll see if you have um, codified your opinion one way or the other. All right. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, well, first of all, we, uh, we'll, we can run through the list of characters really quickly, just so everyone sort of knows who we're saying if we say names. Um, this is a pretty small cast of characters. Uh, there's Melk, the Wraith, her brother, Hancha, um, Bastian, Salvier, and his sister Leanna and his dog Endel that he talks to so the dog is very much a character because you hear the dog like speaking back to him um there is Bastian's mistress Sylvia his best friend who's the um sort of chief of police or the head guardsman in in town uh Michaud and then a handful of other villagers and a handful of magical creatures so um I, uh, I don't know. Is, is it worth talking about like the characters separately from like the plot elements they relate to, or do you want to just kind of move into all of it that together? Uh, I mean, yeah, let's just start talking about the characters cause they're, I, I like them. Like there, I have absolutely no issues with them. Okay. Um, I think that Bastion and Endel are amazing. Uh, I think Emily G does a really great job of like giving us a cool doggy, like you know like pal you know sometimes mm -hmm. you read books where animals are just kind of like a human you know but mm -hmm. th this one you know uh endel feels like a dog yeah he definitely has a different perspective than a human would on a lot of things yeah and he's funny and like very matter of fact and just very concerned with like what's happening right at the moment and i yeah i think that's cool and i think that's also a really great grounding area because Bastion is just all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Um, well, depending it, it, on who he's in a room with, it's like he's a different character. 
<laughs> well, it, it's worth, um, I guess it's worth prob- probably talking a little more in depth about like what, like the monkey on Bastion's back um, to sure. kind of understand him. Um, so the Salvier, uh, f- they call it the farm, but you know, it'd be like a state uh, is pretty big, has a curse on it that basically water is your enemy. Um, and this is because one of his ancestors, it was his great grandfather's brother, um, stole something from a sea creature called a Sauron or Sauron. I don't know. I'm not sure how to say it mm-hmm. and, um, wouldn't give it back. And then he died before telling anyone in the family where it was for the family to give it back. And so the creature put a curse on your family and on your land waters, your enemy. If you go near the river, if you go in the sea, you'll drown. Um, no rain will run on your lake. Like, it won't rain on your land. No rivers will run through it. You're going to drown or you're going to die of um, dehydration. And so this was, you know, four generations back that the curse um, was put on the family. And so Bastion's, like, the last Salvier, and he has the means to break the curse because finally his father found the the necklace um, of the, the Sauron uh, once back, and they've just been waiting for it to come back. Um, and claim it and every year like the farm gets a little bit closer to being gone and so he he feels responsible for his younger sister that he he basically raised and he has this like crushing like responsibility of dealing with a farm that has no water and trying to keep everything alive until you know redemption happens he just can't he can't and he's crushing like you read it and he's just like another you died today or you know and he's like digging graves and like cutting stuff up and just watching bridges fall down it's like oh damn dude like why are you still there yeah well i mean it's the thing is that like you read you read it and then when you get to the whole story and you realize that he's just he's waiting for the sarin to come because Mm -hmm. like because he's also afraid that if, if they just run, that, like, he's like, I can't have any children. Leanna can't have any children because the curse is in our bloodline. It'll follow it'll follow us anywhere. Anywhere right. there's water, like, it's going to come for us. Um, so. Right. Um, I have questions about some of the details of this overarching plot. Uh, but yeah. I do want, I do want to get, <laughs> I want to get to, to the rest <laughs> of the characters first. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, we have Bastion. He's kind of like... Tall, handsome, uh, rugged, uh, you know, fallen noble, and then he's his beautiful sister Liana. Uh, yes, who's who is... like the the sweet, gentle. Like he's done everything he could to protect her, and she's not like naive or like she doesn't know the realities of the situation. But he's he has made a point to like protect her gentleness and allow her to kind of retain some innocence, for sure. And she has this, like, crazy ability where she can heal people with a touch. And it doesn't appear... I mean, like, she gets tired uh, in the course of the book because she's not sleeping. But it doesn't Mm -hmm. appear... I don't understand what the rules of her magic are, basically. Like, she can heal people of basically anything, and it doesn't... She doesn't have a limit as long as she's conscious. So why don't they make money off of that? (laughs) I have questions. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a that's a very good question. <laughs> um, you know, because like it's known that that Bastion can talk to dogs. Like everyone in town knows that, and it's kind of like a weird magic, but it's a small enough magic that people are just kind of like, eh, whatever. Is healing people mm-hmm. a bad magic? Is it a big enough magic where you'd get carted off? Like, is that why she doesn't tell anyone? It doesn't appear that anyone knows that she can do that. The o- the only person who knows is their nearest neighbor who's also bastion's like age and bastion's good friend and like she healed his leg or his kid or something one yeah, year yeah. And so they yeah. have you know they have grain for their one old horse um who who you know carried her the eight miles back and forth every day to oh, like tend whoever it was but <laughs> but that's about it like that's the only person who seems to know and so yeah it's it's not directly addressed why um, I mean, I kind of just chalked it up to, like, clueless noble stuff where it's, like, find yeah. a different way to make money than working your, your dying land. And they're like, no, that's what we've always done. And if we can't do that, we'll just sit here. And I'm like, but you 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 could make some money by charging people. I mean, maybe Liana would never do that. Maybe she'd be like, I couldn't take coin to help anyone because <laughs> she's that noble. Yeah, maybe that, maybe that was the issue. Yeah. <laughs> 
So yeah, they live in this huge empty house that's falling down. And, and then, has been stripped of like all furnishings except yep. like essentially two beds and <laughs> the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, and those are those are details that I appreciated, you know, because like at one point, uh, Melk Melka. I said I've been saying Melka, but how how do you say it? Oh, I, I've I've always said Melk, but you can say Melka because I that like I say Hancha, so ha- why not Melka too? Like it, you know, okay, makes them sound right. kind of foreign well, and different. Yeah. So when Melka's walking through, you know, she finds the library and it's empty. She finds, like, the sitting rooms and they're empty. And she sees that, like, the, it's not just that the furniture has been sold. You know, they've also haven't really had the money to take care of even the glass in the windows or keep the carpet from fading mm-hmm. because they don't have curtains anymore. And, you know, th- those details are nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, the uh, the uh, the world building in, in terms of, like, sensory details is amazing. Like, mm-hmm. it... Um, she really does, um, I think, do a great job of like giving giving the like the the scenes. Like, there's a lot of you know descriptions of how just like dry and sear and dusty the farm is, and like how you know just kind of empty the house is. But it's it's this sort of stuff that seems obvious, and yet like I wouldn't necessarily have thought to picture until she said it. And then it's like, oh yeah, I completely see that. Yeah, she spends a lot of like a lot of time like. It's a small setting, right? Because we're really like mm-hmm. most of the time either in the house or at the at the den of the salamanders. So it's I think it's important that she gave that much detail to the house because it's not quite mm-hmm. a character, but it's it's you know ever present. Yeah, um, and I mean that's, that's something I guess is worth saying. Um, this is a this is a small story. This is um, it's a story about these people and their land and what happens to them, and it's. Like, that's why it's, you know, so focused on, like, just a handful of characters and just a handful of places. Um, mm-hmm. And it, so it's it's why I'm glad to hear you say that you liked the characters. Because it's one of those stories where if you don't like the characters, like, literally the book is pointless. Because you're not going to give a shit. There's no stakes for anyone else. It is only it's stakes for the people involved. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I tend I tend to like these types of what you what you said smaller stories. I think that's a nice way to say it. I, I like small casts. If you can get into their heads. Mm-hmm. Those are my drunk yeah, neighbors. And- I'm sorry if you can hear them. Um, it's okay. <laughs> they, uh, but yeah, small casts, small small stories. I, I like that. I like spending time in a place, getting to know it, kind of living in it. And like you're right, it de- it felt dusty. It felt hot. Maybe it's because it's ninety to you know, 94 degrees in New York <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> sweating. I'm like, yeah, that sucks here. Uh, but yeah, I do. I also have another pressing question. All those ewes that died, why didn't yeah. they eat them? Why didn't um, they eat okay. the ewes? Okay. I, uh, I, I believe that most of them were ones that he found dead as opposed, like the one that he, that died when he was there, he slaughtered. Um, and like put the meat in the cool house and, um, but the, when, unless, unless you're right there and this is the, you know, with hunting, like, unless you're right there when the animal dies to gut it immediately, um, it, uh, the meat gets spoiled, um, because you, if you leave the guts in it. So that's why they couldn't, um, eat the, uh, the lamb, like the, not the lambs they used that like died overnight and he found the next morning because they'd been sitting too long without, um, being uh de entrailed <laughs> awesome that's i had no clue i was like it's just eat it <laughs> like you guys don't have any food why are you eating this meat but no yeah i guess you don't want to die of some horrible yeah like sepsis or yeah. you know bacterial infection yeah well yeah. now we know i would die if if it came to the <laughs> like a post-apocalyptic roadkill well, i Rachel- it um it, it it would depend on the situation it would depend who you're with like if it if it happens while we're while we're together i can protect you i can be your jack okay <laughs> okay cool cool thank you <laughs> um so let's talk about melka and hancha uh so melka is the the older sister of uh she's the wraith they're both wraiths 
and we open the story with mm-hmm. her and she's kind of running from Endel while Bastion is chasing her because she's stolen this necklace and she's trying to get back to the salamander den so that she can trade this necklace for her brother and her brother's being held prisoner. And I think it's, so this is where we start to get into the stuff that I was just kind of like, okay. And then it never really <laughs> got explained enough for me to accept it, I think. Okay. But like all of these, so there's four major like, like, magical races in this world but the two that we talk that we're encountering are the sauron and the salamanders and but all four of them it seems like their entire purpose is to go around raping people (laughs) and i'm like yeah I don't know why. Maybe that'll get explained. It's never explained why their sole focus in life is raping humans. Why they like humans. What about what's so great about humans? I don't know. So her brother is being held captive by the salamanders and presumably could be sexually abused by them. So she's really worried about it. So she obviously loses the necklace. Wait, no. she, She gives it in. She, well, they, she, she yes. yeah, she gives the necklace to the salamanders and gets her brother back, right. which means Bastion no longer has it to give to the Sauron when it comes. Right, and that's another question. He says clearly in one of his reveries that he's had the necklace for twelve years, but the Sauron comes every spring solstice. How? No, um, <laughs> it's it comes one it comes once in a generation on the spring solstice. So oh. um, that's why yeah. So he's been waiting for. Tw- 12 years for for it to be the year that the Sauron decides to come for his generation i see um okay that makes yeah. way more sense because i that, was like oh that's my also God, why they give him the damn necklace <laughs> <laughs> that's that's also why they've been hanging around veer because he's like i i have it like we just right. have to survive until it comes okay. and everything will that be makes okay because it was his it was his mother was the last victim okay yeah. So, yeah, all right, great. That makes much more sense because I the whole time I was like, I don't – what the fuck? <laughs> Why? So, so yeah, so she's traded the necklace in for Hancha. Hancha is very injured. He's been beaten and abused and pooped on and – or kept in a poop pit or I don't really – anyway, so she rescues him and Bastion takes them back to – his farm and basically the deal is if you save my brother i will go back and steal this necklace for you because obviously you need the necklace otherwise the sauron's gonna come and destroy your family yeah the the other part of the uh the sauron curse that we haven't directly stated is that if it doesn't get the necklace it spends the uh the night basically torture raping um one of the family members whatever family member it chooses for the night in whatever capacity it chooses for the night but um they're like one of them like two of them killed themselves after and one of them never spoke again so it's clearly like much more severe than i mean not that like there's any just rape in the world but it's obviously more severe than just rape like whatever it's doing it's bad right torture porn lars von trier movie bad Right. And that's kind of where I get a little stuck because like I I if there's going to be rape in a story, I tend to want it to mean something other than this is the big bad. Like I don't want rape to be the main villain of a story. Mm-hmm. And it's it it's this it's the main villain of the story in the story. Like everybody's getting raped and that's like everyone's motivation is to stop someone from being raped or because they're afraid of being raped and rape Mm -hmm. is bad but i also feel like you don't have to try very hard to come up with rape as your main your main motivating plot point so that was a little irritating and i remember being like well okay (laughs) It's like, okay, I get it. Like, they're going to keep her, you know, like, all right, yeah, everyone's afraid that Liana's going to be, like, taken and ravished by this, like, horrible sea demon. I'm like, that's bad. Yeah, okay. But <laughs> then everybody starts trading sexual favors for stuff, and then I got a little, like, what's happening? <laughs> so yeah. that's where I'm a little just, like, I like these people, and I like this small story, and I like, but I don't understand why, 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 why. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the one thing I want to say before we 
talk a little more about that because there's definitely like a discussion to have there. Yeah. Um, is that basically for like the, um, Melka and Hancha and Bastian and Leanna are parallels to each other. Like right. literally for both of them, their sibling is the only person they have in the world. Like that's their family. That's their rock. That's their reason for being like, they all kind of feel like if I lost my sibling, there's literally no point for, you know, for me to continue existing because that's, that person is my world. And so it, it kind of explains like why they'll all go to the lengths they'll go to for their siblings, um, mm-hmm. you know, to save them. And, um, I just wish and, it was like, you know, beheading or yeah. death. So or it's just, well, okay. So yeah. So, so then back to, <laughs> back to the point, just, um, yes. About why, why is it, um, uh, why is it why is it rape like why is that the thing um i i mean it's a little bit victorian the whole like oh i i was raped i'm going to fling myself off right. of the cliff you know um but, but i think maybe that's why it ha- like i don't know like it's i mean i like it has like... it has to be more than that like it has to be pretty like severe torturous like things right <laughs> I, just, right? I feel like watching your entire family die and having your farm be taken away from you and like you have no fortune anymore and it's falling down around you. That's that's torture. Like, yeah, that's 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 bad enough. <laughs> it's bad. I mean, to me, it's bad enough. It's also this this assumption that like rape is the worst thing that could happen to you. And there's nowhere else. Mm-hmm. There's nowhere else to go from that. And I don't necessarily right. agree with that. Like I like rape is terrible. And I think rape should be mm-hmm. handled like new you know in a nuanced manner and with compassion and used sparingly in fiction basically and and right that's my personal opinion but it seems like this story assumes that it is the worst thing that could possibly happen to you and there's also some weird heteronormative stuff that i was a little like okay like i'm supposed to be okay with it because the people being raped in the story are men um well okay so i I don't like that's actually a question that uh that i wanted to put to you because um even though like the the threat of rape toward the females and specifically toward um liana it's not really directly um directed at at melka at at any point um but you know liana's always like sitting under the threat of you know being raped to death um and uh in the end it's both like the the characters that are actually like the main characters ones who actually undergo like a sort of sexual violation are the are the men Mm -hmm. so do you think that that was um i mean like like meant to be subversive or was it um you know the way that like rape is often used as like character building i think it was meant to be subversive like i do i i think that the that it was meant to be subversive and especially because after after especially after hancha is raped no one Mm -hmm. questions his masculinity no one like he doesn't deal with any of the issues that you know a lot of that would keep you know, especially men in today's society from reporting a rape or talking about rape, right? Like he doesn't feel emasculated. He doesn't, it's just to him, it's just a violence. And he felt like he failed to protect her or, you know, like that, it's it's a more personal thing. Right. Well, no, he, I mean, he's, he's proud of the fact that he was able to protect her, that he was, even though he's not part of the family, able to convince the Saren to take its anger out on him and, and leave Lyanna alone um but he, he i mean he definitely seems like reluctant to let her heal him and he's like no yeah. no just like waste up waste up that, that that's all right that's all. Well, like, there, well that goes back to the stuff that was associated was at the beginning right when like Hancha's injured from the salamanders burning him and stuff mm-hmm. and it's like oh you can't like her brother everyone's very concerned it's like you can't heal him you can't go in a room with him alone like i'm like whoa guy and they i texted you i was like does this guy want to do his sister <laughs> because <laughs> He was getting, like, I felt extremely irrationally angry about this, like, mostly dead guy on a table in his house. Like, I'm like, dude, what's he going to do? Jump off the table and ravish your sister? Like, I'm like, chill out. Um, he, like... <laughs> see, I, I actually thought that was more aimed at, like, the, the maintaining his sister's innocence and propriety. Like, I don't, you, you don't need to see, like, mm-hmm. an unclothed male. You don't need to... 
you know, like it wasn't a, a, a like a threat to her um, physically. It was a, a threat to her purity, you know, to uh, to see. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Un- to see unsanctified penis. Right. You know. And also You're not he, married, he you also has it. that. Right. And he has that arc where he's he's realizing that she's a woman now and not and not a little girl. So I, yeah. I understand that he, you know, I got that, but I was also just like, what's, did I pick up the wrong book? Am I about to read some weird incest stuff? And you were like, no, what's wrong with you? <laughs> well, like, no, like I, I actually, I actually thought that you were reading the initial description of her, where he like comes home to her and talk, is talking about like how beautiful she is and yes, like how gentle that, and how much he loves her. You know, and like that's what I thought you meant. I was like, no, no, no. It's just it's a plot device to explain why the the thief's brother is going to want it. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. I I mean, that contributed to it. But then like later on, he's like, no one can be with her but me. No one can look at her but me. She's mine. And I'm like, whoa, dude. Whoa. Yeah, no, it, it's more like, no, no, sister, avert, avert thine innocent virgin eyes. You yes. cannot see a penis. <laughs> I think I think calling this a kind of pseudo-Victorian novel mm-hmm. would have helped me. It was I did not frame it this way when I was reading it. I was thinking of more like, you know, corset buster fantasy novel, mm-hmm. like on the plains, not like, a you know... So I think that would have helped me be like, oh, these people are all locked up emotionally and sexually. And so yeah. this is them, like, figuring that shit out. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, th- this is a, a, a tangential point, but I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Proposition. Um, but it's set uh, in Australia um, in the, like, 1880s. And it's um, basically about, like, a, a British... Um, army captain who's posted there and he's trying to like civilize um, the uh, the area um, in a couple different ways like both the you know town folk who ain't too nice themselves and his rangers and the um, rogue aborigines that haven't like been willing to be quote civilized and you know whatever um, but he has uh, this wife who is a woman of good breeding, yo, yo, Mrs. Stanley. And like, she is this crazy juxtaposition of like class and like manners and gentility in this very rough, um, land. And like, it's, you almost feel like this kind of ever present threat to her just by virtue of the people that are around her. And so I don't know, like, I don't know that I would recommend it to you personally, Rachel, because I don't think it's the kind of movie you would like. It's really violent and it's kind of brutal and ugly, but it's also one of my favorite movies. Um, but like it definitely, this, this book has that same kind of feeling where it has that sort of like tight, you know, kind of Victorian morality Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, just in this sort of fantasy landscape. And I, I associate, um, a little bit of, uh, because the Emily G is from New Zealand, and for some reason, um, just the descriptions of Veer remind me very much of like scenes of the outback and a lot of the scenes in the proposition um, of like the way the farmhouse looks, and it's mm-hmm. like this proper little tidy farmhouse in a fucking desert. Like yeah, what like is that in, doing the, there? in a no field sense. of just like nothingness. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I don't know, like that. It was something that I I had not. As many like I've read this book at least half a dozen times, and it's never jumped out at me because I guess I read so much romance. At, like I didn't, it didn't even occur to me that I was like going into that mode in terms of like what the moral expectations were. Like without like thoughtlessly like oh that's what this is okay no, no questions. And then like mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like reading this as Rachel might read it. I'm like wow, there's some problematic shit here. <laughs> <laughs> like it's. I just, yeah, it's, because it, it was like, it was like, okay, Hancha wasn't raped by, a, like, there's also this whole thing about, like, the Saurons are genderless until they get horny and then they sex to, some, like, something either by choice or randomly and then, like, that's what they do and the Saurons like, well, fine, I'm gonna take Hancha and then, like, and I'm gonna sex male and I was like, of course you are, of course you are gonna do that because I felt <laughs> like at this point I was just supposed to be horrified because it was like dude on dude raping and i'm just like i like uh, it doesn't make it any worse less worse or more acceptable or less acceptable i don't know that it was supposed to be horrifying because it was dude on dude raping so much as like um well i understand that i I mean i I guess in the in the selfless act of 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm taking it more in the sense that, like, um, a like a, a male Sauron doing the the raping, it's going to be a more violent and therefore like painful and therefore like torturous violation than you know a female Sauron would be, you know. Um, so I, I I took it as more being like it's the the more painful and horrible um, option rather than any like uh, homosexual overtone or anything. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I didn't, I mean, it wasn't like offensive. It wasn't like, you know, gay stuff's evil and then you go to hell. I mean, it wasn't like that at all. It was just, you're right. I don't read as much just like hardcore, like romance. So I, and I know that like, I mean, I've, I read enough books to where I've encountered rape as a plot device before. And just usually I kind of roll my eyes, but this is, this was just like ever present. And I, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was harder for me to deal with because of that. Yeah. Um, well, while while we're on the uh, subject, do you want to talk about what Bastion does? Yeah, um, with the salamander, <laughs> and maybe I mean, contrast I found that, that a little more. Bit. I found that more narratively interesting as a you know mm-hmm. as a plot device. I mean, I, I it's still it's still rape. I mean, like, I was forced to do something against his wishes and he was like thinking to himself about like how horrible he felt it was and how he wanted to vomit and like afterwards he was clearly traumatized um but it was also kind of weirdly like titillatingly presented (laughs) like Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i'm like we're supposed this is supposed to be gross but he's also like describing it in a way where it was echoing i mean i obviously it was a parallel to his scenes with his mistress uh sylvia the the Mm -hmm. uh the baker um who i feel so bad for (laughs) like poor sylvia um but yeah it was just really weird it was like the it was like the devil's version it was you know what it was it was the under the mountain version of his with Sylvia in the bakery. It was like, yeah, you know, like if that had been the only instance of it in the book, it would have been like, oh, okay, it's weird, like, but not, <laughs> not completely out of the realm of something I would encounter in a fantasy book. But it was also like the fourth mm-hmm. time it had happened at that point, so I was just like, well, all right, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> like, and also her weird little kids watched. I was just like, what the fuck is happening? You lizard people. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, I, I think the, the point of some of it was to, to show that even though it wasn't violent in the sense of like physical pain, um, and he was kind of choosing every step of the way that it was still like an emotional violence because it was the only thing that he could give to to get Melka back f- from the salamanders. Right. Um, I mean, this I is considered it by... to be physically violent too, but that's um, well. I'm, I mean, it's it, it's not. I, it, yeah, I mean, he's like talks he's about burning. like his fingers and tongue yeah. blistering as he touches her, and you know, obviously everything else like would be blistering while you're in coitus uh you know as well um and And he too was trying to hide his wounds afterwards the same as honcho so it was like i guess that was the stoicism of the sacrifice he had made and i mean like you know i get it i just don't really understand (laughs) i don't don't know yeah there's stuff i I mean i will (laughs) I, I will say I will say this. Um, I I do feel like um, the monster obsession with like raping humans is um, it's kind of drawing on two things. Uh, first, go. I mean, it kind of goes back to like Greek mythology, where like all the you know the gods will come down and like, oh, it's a bull or you know yeah. whatever because they can't be themselves. But so there's like this whole like titillating history of like. Anim- like animals raping humans but it's not really animals it's like gods you mm-hmm. know or these like divine manifestations um and then you know they're um going just going back to the the victorian like they were quite titillated by that i mean well even like that goes back to you know the medieval stuff like bosch was painting um you know pictures yeah. that show all sorts of like that type of you know, joining. So I don't know, like, I think that they're, if if you're looking at it from that's the tradition it's drawing on, 
there's a lot there. And and I actually found the uh, I don't know I found that to be an interesting, in a way, an interesting choice just because it is like it is a different use of magical creatures than I've seen elsewhere in fantasy. I mean, not only is it different creatures that are being pulled on, it's a griffin for the air, it's the sarin for water, the salamander for fire, and a lamia, which is like a snake woman succubus for earth. Like I, other than the sarin, I'd actually, you know, I've heard of them or, you know, know what they are, but they're not commonly used mythological or magical animals. So it was Mm -hmm. like a weird sort of like, it's just its own thing, like pulling from tradition, but like not used, you know, in a traditional way and i don't know i do think that there's um lore at least with like uh the you know this the idea of like succubus and incubus and things like that of magical creatures liking to you know feast on human sexuality in one way or another i don't know like it yeah it makes sense but it's but you know in 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 a way in the way that it's different from other things i've seen i find it interesting and um, like I said, it, it never bothered me until this read, and I was like, "Wow, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot there." I mean, even like, well, one, like, like oh, even shit. the Rachel's some of the fairy tales, <laughs> like there, even even the the books for children. It's like everybody knows that you know griffins like to kidnap virgins and rape them to death and then fling their bodies from the eyrie if they don't eat them. They're like the fucking reavers, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. And if you're very lucky, they'll do it in that order. Actually, I loved <laughs> the little the little like stories within the stories, the books, the stories that she read out of that tale. Like that, those were great. I really enjoyed those. Um, especially the one with the griffin where it was like the spear, this is the spear. And they're like, nah, it's not the spear, but don't tell them that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that was the best story. Yeah. So, um, that that was actually one of the things that I I wanted to highlight that for me, it was just like two thumbs up because she like in the course of the story, there's lots of people being sick and, and being healed. And so they like read stories out of this children's book. It's the one book that, um, is still left in the house and, um, so she like made up a like two or three like little stories that read like fairy tales. They sound like very traditional folk tales, but they're nothing I've ever heard. Like they see, I, I think they're actually like original, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, that that's um, just from a a macro perspective on the book. Like the there's a lot of. I think really good psychological insight in the book. Um, and that particular story, which is about a woodcutter who has to go rescue his clever fiance from a, a griffin. And the the old woman in the village says, Oh, this is Ivan, the hunter's spear. He never missed. You won't miss if you use it. And like, it wasn't actually, she just told him that because she knew that if he believed that, he, you know, with the skills that he had, then he'd have the co- the courage and the confidence to go kill the griffin and get his girl back. And he does. Um, but she's like, yeah, that totally wasn't Ivan's spear. Who the fuck was Ivan? You know? <laughs> um, but it's just right, it's one of those right. moments of like kind of profound insight into, into like the human psyche. Cause, cause another, it, and I think it's one of like the big themes of the book, um, and it, it's one of the reasons, like, themes like this are why I like reading fantasy and science fiction, is the idea that, like, hatred and intolerance cannot coexist with empathy. Like, once you actually understand where someone else is coming from, like, you stop being able to hate them. Um, yeah, I think that's and actually that was, like, a really of... nice take on it, because I felt like Bastion was especially at the beginning, a little bit schizophrenic. Like, he was so angry Mm -hmm. and, you know, and then he'd flip-flop to being, like, really sweet and nice, you know. And then, of course, you saw him as Endel saw him, which was, like, as a normal Mm -hmm. dude. And then you find out more about what's happening. You're like, oh, this guy's under pressure. His family has died. His farm is ending. Like, okay, I get why he's, like, Mm -hmm. so snappy and stressed out. And then, yeah, the the kind of flip-flop that where he starts to empathize with Malka and her brother and be very accepting of them despite the fact that they're from a different country and, you know, they look a lot different than them and they have traditionally, they have powers that his people don't, don't, you know, they're, they're evil, right? They they don't like the Mm -hmm. rape powers, but he's like, it's fine. It's cool. But I also had a problem with the fact that everyone was falling in love with people that they weren't talking to. And I, (laughs) 
<laughs> like in in and Liana, like I understood because she has this ability to like when she heals you, she like knows you from the inside out. I think uh, mm-hmm. Bastion says something like, you know, she knows your dreams, she knows how you feel, she knows you better than you know yourself. And I'm like, okay, yeah. then then it makes sense. Like she knows Hanchan in a way that he he didn't even really know himself, right? Like he he didn't right. accept himself in the way that she did until after and i was like oh, okay that makes sense but why the hell does he like her oh well i guess it could be the florence nightingale thing i mean she sat with him she took i'm like okay great but why then i was like but malka and bastion make zero sense <laughs> <laughs> other than other than they just think they're hot like they're like you're hot uh-huh. and i'm hot let's bone let's do it and i i actually appreciated the way that it ended because I felt like it had been building up to like a big makeout sex scene, right? Where it was going to be like, mm-hmm. and then they realized, then the dog told them that they were into each other and then they did it. And <laughs> I really liked the fact that he was like, look, you know, I, my dog's telling me that you think I'm hot. I think you're hot. We should do this thing. But he, you know, as it's ending and they're like, uh, you know, watching the sunset or whatever, he's thinking to himself, you know, I'm going to give her time, right? Like, that mm-hmm. was nice. I liked that. I appreciated that a lot. Because it wasn't just like, yeah. let's bone. He he was very much into being like, look, I like her. And I know that she's honorable. And she's someone that I admire. So, I, you know, this is going to work. Mm-hmm. However long it takes. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's... Um, I mean, like, Bastion has a, a pretty big uh flip-flop he has to make over the course of the story from like complete sort of prejudice like i don't even think you're human you yeah. know like i'll sit Spitting in your face her. and like yeah. knock you around you know to like sort of um seeing her as a woman to seeing her as a woman he admires to seeing her as a woman he can't imagine being happy without um and so I, th- I think, like, that scene at the end, like, because I, I, I love that scene, too. Like, it's so perfect because, you know, he's just sitting there thinking, like, he's holding her hand and he's like, this is all she's ready for. She's too fragile mm-hmm. and she's too, like, um, you know, she's been through so much. I can't, like, we can't push this. We're not going to rush this. But it's, like, basically him treating her with the same sort of respectful protectiveness that he's, you know, given to his sister, like, her whole life. And he finally, like, considers Mel- Melka deserving of that and... Um, you know, it, I, I, I like that a- aspect that mm-hmm. it, that it kind of sacrifices the sort of romance novel, like sexiness for what I actually think uh, is, is a deeper sort of like expression of caring and, and devotion. Um, but I mean, I can't I, I made think of the last our, fantasy romance novel that I've, that I've read where the main, the main character, the main two lover characters don't actually like do it. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, he's, or, he's or even doing kiss, it with like, other people. Yeah. Like, I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, it's cool. It's interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I put in, I put a note in our, in our show notes. Note for our continuing studies in relationships students. This was not good intimacy modeling. The only reason any of them made moves was magical insight into the fact that the other person liked them. Because they had a magical dog. (laughs) Yeah, like, Lyanna can feel that, you know, not just that who Hanchet is that makes her fall in love with him, but she then, like, feels what he feels for her. So she, like, knows he's lying when he says, no, I I don't want you. And she's like, no, you just think you're not good enough, but you want me. I know. I've seen, I can feel what you feel, dude. Um, yeah. and then, you know, Bastion asking, um, Endel to, uh, tell him if, if he can smell attraction on Melka. And that's the only reason he has any clue that she likes him. And of course she would never admit it. Cause part of, Man, part I of wish the, the dog had been the like, why don't you them... just, why don't you just ask her? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, that, that wouldn't occur, but that wouldn't occur to Endel, you know, like, I, you know, to do, because that's a human thing. Like, why not just directly ask? But like, yeah, none of these people will, A, actually ask anyone anything directly. Uh, B, state anything that they actually need or want for themselves. Um, and C, they're all like too, uh, I guess, hung up on the idea of being like invulnerable and not needing anyone that they won't like show their emotions or show the fact that they oh, are absolutely. afraid or, you know, need someone or like need like basic sort of human um decency so it's 
I mean, there's definitely like a growth arc for all of them. <laughs> I mean, it's weird because like usually there's only one or two characters like that in a story, but this is such a small, mm-hmm. small story with a small cast. It's like everyone's like this. Everyone is too locked up and too invulnerable and really, you know, and having it's like, well, what the hell are you supposed to do? It's actually kind of crazy that the author decided to do that with her characters because it must have been impossible to get them to to do anything when they're all like that (laughs) like she must have Uh needed the dog like the dog was absolutely necessary yeah i mean because otherwise you know what happened like if they don't have these insights what happens is you know maybe maybe liana is brave enough to like say something to hancha he says no and like he and milk leave like when they're well enough and they you know uh the saren's got his necklace back and everything's happy and they're like okay well peace we're out like that's how that happened if you don't have you know <laughs> if you don't have endel <laughs> mm-hmm. so can we talk about the the c plot i guess it's the c yeah plot. um where there so there's this town you know with within a couple miles of the farm and they go there a couple times it's where sylvia lives uh, and really it's just Bastion who goes there. He goes there to pick up supplies mm-hmm. and to have his tryst with Sylvia, uh, and to see his friend Mashad. And he basically interacts with the local innkeeper and his son a couple times at the beginning of the story. And then he, you know, very disapproving of how, of how they speak of women basically, which I, you know, I was like, okay, this is to, I, when I read it, I was like, this is to mitigate the violent feelings he's having towards Malka at this point in the story, because he's like spitting on her and he wants to hit her, but he doesn't. And like, if you're an author trying to make me like your character, that's pretty risky. So she inserts this, this, conversation that he has with the innkeeper where they're basically talking shit about this low-class girl that that works at the docks and he's like well that's crappy of them i Mm -hmm. hate them now i'm not eating here and he leaves and i'm like yeah good for you bastion (laughs) meanwhile that girl dies she gets murdered and uh, you know you as the reader know that it was definitely them because they were talking shit about her before because she was pregnant Mm -hmm. with the innkeeper's son's kid sorry i have to smack a mosquito hold on uh, and <laughs> and he so you know that it's them right but of course they're like well we didn't right. do it and they're they're the richest people in town so nobody does anything well Endel's like well he's lying like and and he goes to his friend the constable and he's like my dog says he's lying and it's like okay great we all believe him and they continue to question him they find out he cracks under the pressure he confesses he did it he was the murderer and you know he's properly He's properly punished, and then later on, the innkeeper confronts Bastion in the street, hits Endel, which was, you know, do not do that, dude. You suck. Right. And, and you know, we move on. And I think the whole that whole C-plot was just to remind us, I don't know. I like the line where Michelle was like, you know that people don't like you, right? And yeah. I, <laughs> and I was like, wait, people don't like him? I was like, but he's doing Sylvia. She likes him. Like. The constable likes him. Isn't that enough, like, good people in town liking you that you would have kind of an okay reputation? But I guess not. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree that in a from a narrative standpoint, um, the uh, <laughs> that is it literally exists to give Bastion, like, a moment of sort of, like, looking in the mirror and seeing how other people see him. Um, where it's like, everyone thinks you're proud. Like you look down your salvier nose and you won't ask for help. And because you think we're not good enough, you don't talk to anybody in town except like me and your mistress. And obviously I'm in a position of power and you're fucking her. So, you know, and you know, it's like this eye opener to Bastion and he's like, but I just, I don't have anything to say and I don't want anybody's <laughs> pity. And you know, I, I would never ask for charity. I'm, you know, and all this. Well, he makes a lot so, of assumptions about people that are wrong, right? Like, he assumes that yeah. Malka's proud and haughty. He's always saying that she's haughty, mm-hmm. and she's really just afraid of him and trying not to show how afraid she is because that would give him power. Right. So well, he obviously you, doesn't think that – he thinks the people of the town like him, which is <laughs> funny. Well, here's, here's the thing, though, that you kind of have to remember about Bastion. Like, he – his mother died when he was nine and that's when he started like basically raising his baby sister when he was nine. And then his father went six years later, like he found the necklace finally and then flung himself off a cliff. So Bastion would have been 15 
And there's no other family. Right. Like, no aunt or uncle to come and live with them and be the guardian. So, like, he's literally been living alone on the farm since he was 15 for, like, the last 12 years. Yeah. And, like, of course he's poorly socialized and has, like, shitty, like, emotional management and, you know, no real concept of, um, of, of what people expect or, you know, but how I people like that he pushes the him. dog on his friend. Like, his friend, the, the constable finds, like, a little puppy and he's like, I don't need this damn dog. And he's like, yeah, you do. What are you going to name him? This is your dog now. And I'm like, oh, he's like a puppy pusher. Like, <laughs> yep. how can you not think that that's adorable? Um... I guess this is kind of a, a a bit of a fairy tale trope where you have like the the person that talks to animals more than they talk to people and like they right. can understand you know animals and like that's um, that's kind of their their socializing and their solace because people don't make sense and so Sebastian kind of um, maybe not like ex- in ex- in an extreme way but he definitely has that um, you know kind of feel to him. Yeah, I like that. He ta- he talks to Endel. He, I mean, Endel's definitely his favorite person because he sicks Endel on Melka <laughs> and then, like, the whole book grumbles about how he doesn't have his dog with him. And it's like, but his dog's doing what you told him to do. <laughs> hey, it's good. He's just making his own bed. Let's talk about why I feel bad for Sylvia. Yes, please. All right. Uh, I feel bad for her because she's awesome and he basically uses her to make sure that his dick still works after he has sex with a salamander and then dumps her and she performs (laughs) emotional labor for him and for um, emotional labor for him and basically is like, Oh really? You don't love me. You love someone else. That's great. You should go tell her. And I was like, Sylvia, kick his ass out of your house right now. (laughs) Uh, yeah, um, she's, uh, like, it's, it's interesting because Bastian, like, assumes she has other lovers, but that's never actually confirmed, like, outside of his assuming that, um, and so we don't actually know well, she what does, her She does for say, like, you were always my favorite, which implies <laughs> that there's some kind of rotation, but. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, like, um, saying, like, obviously they've been doing this for eight years and nothing's, it's never gone beyond this. So this was their relationship. Right. And, and if neither of them wanted that anymore, then it was going to end. But I feel like he could have come to this realization before she sucked his dick. But that was just my own personal <laughs> take on well, the situation. Yeah. Well, you know, he's a... Uh... Um, he's, he's an idiot and he's emotionally like blind and it's not until like he's in bed with her and like imagining it being Melka that he's like, Oh wait, Oh wait, that, Oh wait. Yeah. I mean, he does (laughs) stop. He does stop in the middle and make it awkward and sad. And then, and then like, she's like, you know, putting her, putting her blanket around her. Cause she's like, Oh, this has gone. This has gone bad. And he's like, he's thinking to himself, oh, for eight years, she's always just been naked and awesome. And now suddenly she's wearing a, a sheet. And I'm like, yeah, because you just told her you want to fuck someone else. Like, you don't get to just like, yeah. you know, get to look at free tits. Like, you just, I mean, this wasn't your arrangement. <laughs> the arrangement was, I mean, I, I yeah. mean, she's got a rotation, so I guess he could have a rotation. But the arrangement is you don't talk about the other people in the rotation while you're rotating with that particular person. <laughs> Like politeness, yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's like that's the that's the immediate reaction. Like when uh when you are officially no longer someone's lover, they don't get to see that that vulnerability. Doesn't matter how many times and how many ways they've seen it before. Like it's no longer an option. Like sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Like the deal has changed. Yep. Situation has changed, and then of course, because she was like, "I'm gonna give Endel a meat pie," and then like he leaves. I'm like, I don't think Endel got that meat pie. <laughs> I know that I, I was having the same thought, and I was like, "There's no mention of the meat pie for Endel." <laughs> oh man! But I um, love. I also me... love to think of this bakery that's like owned and operated by a woman. Who of good standing with the with the town, as far as we know, mm-hmm. and all of her like female employees, and they all see these dudes show up 
unannounced, unscheduled for their for their nookie, and like they all all and all the, none of these girls judge their boss. They're not like our boss is a a dirty whore witch. They're all like, damn, that guy's fine. Like, yeah, it's just like the best bakery ever. It's just like a bakery of sexually liberated, awesome girls doing it with the hottest guys in town. It's a good place. I'm a fan of this bakery. Yeah, I'd, uh, I I like Sylvia's bakery too. Um, and it's and it and it is such a such a nice sort of juxtaposition too, like this super like, and I and I guess this is also like you know again going back to like the Victorian thing, like the the dichotomy of like the girls of a certain class and like girls of a different class kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, for better or for worse, that that's there. Um, you know, like he doesn't judge Sylvia at all for like having fun and like finding pleasure and having lovers, but like, would he let his sister? Oh, hell no. You know? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I also just had this thought. I hope um, he doesn't order his wedding cake from her. Let's see. That would be um, bad. Don't do that. Bastion. I'm trying to think if there's anything else Andal that I specifically that. Um, want. We didn't talk about like how emotionally damaged Melka and Hancha are already from a childhood kept in kind of prison and watching their mother be murdered and their father was enslaved by some king. And they appear to yeah, be on the a... run. Like no one's concerned about that. Like they're on the run. <laughs> like... Well, they've they've also been walking for six years. And so... Um, they're, and they're in a different country. Like the the kingdom that they were in is one that either kills wraiths or enslaves them to the purposes of the king. And uh, the the country they're in now is kinder and gentler. They just run you out of town. <laughs> yeah, that was the best part. He's like, yeah, let's all get married. And if they find out who you are, they'll just exile you. And I'm like, well, what happens then? Will you go with them, or do you just say bye? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or, you know, is, is it that you have the whole, well, we're Salviers, and there's always Salviers at Veer, and yep. just expect, like, the townspeople to accept that? I mean, I, I guess, like, I don't know, since turning into a wraith is always a choice, and the only time that, like, it's maybe not a choice is childbirth, which, like, yeah, that's a feeling like turning yourself inside out. I could totally see why. <laughs> happens um like with liana being a healer that doesn't matter like melka can you know turn invisible all she wants having all of bastion's babies that he wants to have um and it's not going to be an issue because of sister-in-law so you know and and same for the next generation and after that you know maybe this you know breeding with the non-wraith population like gets it out of the system Uh, we'll see it is an understanding. Yeah, I, I, I found that interesting too. It. That it wasn't like, yeah, that it, it it wasn't like a thing where like, oh, we just think they're less than human and hate them, but like tolerate them. It's like, no, we run them out of town. Like we exile you. <laughs> we just don't kill you. Like we're better. We're better. We're better because we don't actually kill you. Yeah. <laughs> well, like the guy, the murderer, the guy um, that uh, murdered the girl. He's only getting hard labor. Mm-hmm. He's. They're not executing him. Yeah. So. Um, any anything else that uh that you needed to say? Uh no. That sounds that's good. Okay. Well, um having uh having talked about all of uh all of this, do you have um a more definite um outcome on whether you liked it or didn't like it? I don't know. No. I, <laughs> I mean I, it's not like a book <laughs> It's not like I'm going to go start a Twitter campaign to be like, this book sucks. Like, I'm not, I don't feel that strongly about it. But I, if, you know, I'm re- is reading it like, this is not my favorite book. You know. Okay. But well, I, I, uh, I did like the, st- I did like the characters. Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I'm glad that you didn't like hate all of it. And I appreciate you, uh, you sticking with it, reading to the end. Um, and, uh. I mean, look, this is going to happen sooner or later. Of course. And you're not yelling. Like, you haven't raised your voice, really. So, like, I'm still no. waiting for that moment <laughs> when I give you that book. <laughs> Unless you make me read, like, something that's just like, I hate everything you love, the book, I probably won't yell. <laughs> <laughs> we say that now. 
Um, yeah, well, you know, I, I normally think I'm even keeled, but obviously, like, Evie pushed some buttons, so, you know. <laughs> this is revenge. Know. This was your vengeance for, for Arcana. <laughs> I see it now. Yeah, here, here, Rachel, have all the rape. Have all the rape. That's what you get. <laughs> <gasps> all right, all right. <laughs> okay, so so we're even. Um, all right, what uh, what am I reading next? All right, so what are you reading next? You are going to read a book by full disclosure, a person I know. So I hope you like it. Um, it's called <laughs> no the pressure. Girl at, yeah, it's called the Girl at Midnight. It's by Melissa Gray. It is another YA book, uh, and it's it's kind of like a pseudo YA urban fantasy. It's stars um an orphan girl and her adventures in a war between um a, 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 a secret magical species of bird people and a secret magical species of dragon people oh well this yes. sounds interesting yes the third book in that trilogy just came out and i just finished it it's so good so i hope you like the first one <laughs> okay well i i hope so too um and uh I'll let you know in a couple weeks. Cool. All right. Bye. Bye.